Good to see uh, a lot of familiar faces, some I don't know. Great to have all of you here today. I do want to remind you about Easter. We've prayed over these cards. Give out some Easter cards. Invite somebody to Easter. We're going to pack this place out. It's not about numbers. It's just that every person we win is somebody the devil can't keep. And so we're after everybody. It's all about Jesus, people, and mission. Hardcore. So bring somebody to church. Invite somebody to church, especially for Easter. And then don't forget prayer tomorrow night. That is part of our first week. And also we're going to be praying over this, but we have a yellow ribbon campaign because we we are thinking of people who need to come home. Prodigals, whatever you want to call them. There's a lot of people in our lives and in these parishes that they need to come home to Jesus. For whatever reason, they walked away. For whatever reason, they got burned, they got cold, they walked away. But the Father has arms wide open, and we want to invite them. Come on back home. You're welcome home. So remember that. We're going to be praying about that tomorrow night. We're looking at Galatians 3, 7. One little verse. Galatians 3, 7, it says, Therefore, know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. Therefore, know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. The New Living Translation puts it this way. The real children of Abraham, then, are those who put their faith in God. Children of Abraham. This verse is saying that Abraham is the father of the faithful. We used to sing the song. Father Abraham had many sons. Oh, y'all know it. Wow. And so are you. So let's just. Yeah, all right, we got it. Everybody, give yourselves a hand. I'm impressed. Father Abraham, father, father of the faithful, the originator, the progenitor of everyone who walks and lives in faithfulness and fidelity to the word. He is the father of the faithful. That's what God says about him. However, I want to paint a picture today for you to help you understand that was not always the case. That was not how he always was. I'd like to continue our home series with a message about the Heavenly Father entitled, How God Sees Me. Everybody say, How God Sees Me. Let's say a prayer. Father, thank you so much for your word I pray that you would bring it home to us, God. Let it penetrate our spirits, God. Drop into our spirits today. And for this, I give you praise in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. How God sees me. Growing up is tough, y'all. Let me just encourage you. We're doing our parents series, raising teenage uh, kids, raising young kids, We're going through that in our small groups. Let me just give you one simple word of advice. I know you want to discipline them, and you need to. But remember, growing up is hard. 
It's difficult. It's not an easy task. So take it easy on your kids. Take it easier on your grandkids. I can't wait to take it easy on my grandbaby, right? I'm ready for that. When we're growing up, we have a lot of misconceptions, wouldn't you say? We think we know a lot. We don't know so much. After a Sunday morning service, a young boy announced to his parents, when I grow up, I'm going to be a preacher. They were puzzled. They asked him, really, do you believe God's called you to preach? Did he speak to you today, son? The boy said, I don't know. I was just thinking, if I have to go to church on Sundays, it'd be a lot more fun to stand and yell than just to sit and be quiet. He should have come to Life Point because you can do a little yelling here, you know, even. Yeah. Woo! Can I get a whoop? Yeah. The little boy said to his mom, Mom, when I grow up, I want to be a drummer. The mom laughed and she said, Son, you can't do both. Grow up and be a drummer. Right, Nick? <laughs> Growing up is a process, it takes time. There are seasons. Some seasons we remember gladly. We're happy about it. Other seasons we wish we could forget. Some seasons we wish a lot of other people could forget as well, right? Can I get an amen? In August, Young Life is going to Indianapolis for NAYC, North American Youth Congress. The theme this year is This Is That. There are over 35 thousand registered. It's going to be at Lucas Oil Stadium. Man, it's going to be amazing. I wasn't going. Now I'm interested, right? 35,000. I thought I might as well get a ticket. Well, in 1979, when I was but a young lad, 12 years of age, I went to the very first North American Youth Congress ever. 12 years of age. It was in Atlanta, Georgia. My parents rightly thought that I was too young to go. They were not going to let me go. But they got talked into it because they were told that there would be chaperones. And the chaperones would wisely manage the young people. Now listen, I don't want you to get any ideas from about what I'm I'm about to say. Because we really are going to wisely manage our young people. But I will say my chaperone in Atlanta was 16 years old. And me and my cousin Randy, Russell, me and old Randy, we were absolutely ignorant. We lost our minds. This was our first shot at freedom. So we get away. We go to Atlanta. My mom bought me a brown tweed suit with a a big, giant, silky collared shirt, a chocolate brown tie. Hey, and some platform shoes. I think I got a picture of them right here. Anybody ever walk around in those kind of shoes? Oh, oh Daryl, come on, son. Man, I, was, I thought I was hot to try. So my mom, had like she had put everything around uh, in perfect order in my suitcase. You know, you wear this this day, you wear this this day, you wear this this day. I, I got there, man, I just like, whoosh, just like blew up the suitcase. And I mixed and matched because I thought I was a fashionista. And so what I decided to do was to wear my J.C. Penney plain pocket bell-bottom jeans. I thought I would wear those bell-bottoms with my platforms. 
my big collar shirt and my tweed jacket. And, and so, so it's kind of like what goes around comes around. So, you know, like jeans and jackets today, way back then, jeans and jacket. But the, the problem was I was 12 years old, and, and you shouldn't do this at any age, but especially 12. I unbuttoned my shirt down to here <laughs> at Youth Congress. I went to Woolworths, and I bought me some, some, uh, some, some teardrop-shaped uh, they weren't Ray-Bans. They, they were plastic. They were the, they were the, uh, the, the, the they, they, they faded. You know what I'm saying? Like, they weren't like dark. They faded from dark to light at the bottom, chocolate brown. And, and I, I hung them on my shirt. And I paraded around in my, my outfit like that was my, man, I'm telling you. And Randy was just as bad. Hey. And, and listen, I had, a, I had huge hair. Y'all have heard me talk about my hair. And I had a comb. You know where it was, don't you? Sticking up. You, you, because that's what you did. You put the big old, there's some, I got another, some, I had a pick, right? You don't know my hair like I know my hair. And so, I, so, so that, so that's, that's the way I, I, I did it. Now, one last thing is that I had just gotten contact lenses, and my eyes are green, and the hard contacts in color had just come out. Like it was the thing. Like, oh, you got to get them. Well, what I didn't know is that when I got them, first of all, they would hurt my eyes bad. I would have a hard time wearing them. Secondly, they would turn my eyes kind of like this guy from the 70s. That's Doc, Dr. Banner, right? Bruce Banner. The Incredible Hulk. There's another shot as he's transitioning. My eyes look like that, like super, super duper green. Of course, you know, I don't know if it was my eyes, my chest hair, my funky outfit, but, man, the girls are like, oh, man, like, your eyes are beautiful, you know, and, and who are you and that kind of thing. But, you know, I wasn't so much interested because me and Randy went to Woolworths and not only bought uh, the sunglasses, but we bought, seriously, about 50 water guns. I had water guns in every pocket loaded. And I got the bright idea to put scope in them. Hey, that's cool, right? I'm talking about growing up. So, where are you, Congress? People are trying to worship God, have life change, and there's a couple of 12 and 13-year-olds running around looking like something off a 70s TV show with scope-filled water guns squirting people all over the place. Growing up is hard to do. That was one season of my life. And I'm just being honest with you. There it is. There's one of my seasons. Now, I've got some other seasons that are none of your business. I've already told you enough. I got some others you don't need to know anything about. I thank God that he doesn't identify us by those seasons that we are ashamed of. He doesn't define us by our bad seasons. I thank God that I am identified, I am defined by how God sees me and who God's called me to be. And and he'll work out the kinks. And when I say the kinks, I don't mean 
I don't mean these guys right here. I don't mean those kinks. Some of you remember them. That's not what I'm talking about. By the way, I got some sponges today. Oh, my Lord. I'm totally like loaded up on all kind of visual aids. You can take the kinks down right now, please. Somebody's going to get a picture. Uh, I found some sponges. Jesus people mission, right? It's everywhere. You know what I mean? It's everywhere. Jesus people mission. I just see it everywhere. And, and rightly so. Anytime you see those dots somewhere, you just need to say to yourself, Jesus is first, people matter, and we're on a mission to get Jesus to people. But when I talk about kinks, I'm talking about like in a water hose. Water hoses, you know, they've got that new one out now that I haven't ordered, but, you know, it's supposed to be kink-free and whatever. But this is the kind of water hose I always get. And, I'm, and it always ends up doing what I'm doing right now. Like, how does this thing get undone? And so I get frustrated, and I, I'm going to do that, and then it, you know, it just, it's just, it's, it's a problem. Sometimes you get a kink in the water hose, right? And what happens? You get ready to water the flowers, and you, and you go to, I always do the thumb. Do y'all do the thumb thing? I don't need one of those things. I got my thumb, right? You go to do, you turn it on, and it's like, bloop, bloop. Oh, man, what's the matter? Oh, I got a, I got a kink in my water hose, and it's hindering the flow. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Abraham had a lot of kinks in his life. I want to talk about some of them. God introduced himself to Abram in Genesis 11. I'm going to put this water hose right up here. He introduced himself to Abraham in Genesis 11. By Genesis 12, he commanded Abram to leave his home and family but there was a kink. Everybody say a kink. There was a kink. The first kink in his life was he would not let go of people God told him to let go of. Namely, Terah, his father, and Lot, his nephew. He was supposed to leave the land of Ur and the people of the land of Ur. He left the land of Ur but there were some people he just could not leave. He dragged them alone. These were people who would not make the spiritual journey with him. They were a spiritual drag, a kink. Everybody say a kink. For Abraham to get where God was calling him, he was supposed to. He had to separate himself from these people. God could not have been any more clearer than he was in Genesis 12.1. He says specifically, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. It would have cost Abraham to fully follow the Lord. But it was so important that he do so. You don't think God would tell him to do something just to hurt his feelings, just to mess with his emotions? No. It was important that he do so. This is not too long after the Tower of Babel. Man has gone rogue, reprobate. It's been 420 years since God has spoken to anyone. And God is picking up the plan of Genesis 3.15 to get the seed of the woman into the earth. And it's going to require something of Abraham. 
And it was in this season of Abraham's life that there was a price exacted that Abraham was not willing to pay. He refused to embrace this part of God's word, to fully believe, to fully obey, to fully follow through. This was not a season where Abraham would be considered faithful. This was a kink. It hindered the flow of the power of God in his life. It was one that had to be worked out. But it led to another kink. Are you with me? Isn't this exciting? I showed a picture of the kinks on the screen. Dave Davies. Some of you have no clue. That's fine. That's good. Here's the second king. He stopped short. He did not go to Canaan as quickly as he could have. His progress came to a screeching halt for years, for years, for a long time. The drag of his old life and old relationships stopped him short, made him settle halfway. It was a step of halfway obedience by dragging the family alone even though he left. So one half step of obedience, halfway obedience, led to another one. He was not where he used to be, but he wasn't where he was supposed to be either because people were holding him back. And think about how hard he worked to drag them along. He had to talk them into coming with him. He had to convince them I've heard a voice in my head that told me to leave. Why don't you come with me? Like, who's going to follow that guy? He had to work at getting them to go along with them, but he couldn't live without them. He needed them in his life, at least he thought. He worked overtime to stay connected, and they were the very thing that was holding him back. So he was stuck, and he was hindered. He influenced them to go, but they influenced him to only go so far. They kept him from following through. His need for unhealthy relationships was a kink in his life. Why did their opinion matter so much to Abraham? He would rather please them than please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Here he is giving up the faith side. He walked by faith in leaving her, but he walked by sight and by his feelings and his whims by dragging along these unhealthy relationships. Maybe somebody in this house today, I don't know, maybe I'm talking to somebody that's stuck because you're holding on to a person or some people that God's told you to let go of. Why does their opinion matter so much to you in the first place? That's the question you need to ask yourself. Maybe you need to put Jesus first. Put him all the way and don't let anybody hold you back. If it means you sever that relationship, cut it off. Jesus will take care of them. But get where God wants you to go. Amen? God wants you to get where he wants you to go. And sometimes you've got to cut some relationships. This was not Abraham's finest hour. This was not a season of faithful living. This was a kink that had to be worked out. Third kink. After Terah died, he still dragged Lot along. But he didn't go to Canaan. uh, But he did go into Canaan. 
which is Israel. He went into the, the promised land. He, so Terah dies. He drags Lot. They do end up going into Canaan. And that's when it happened. So he's in the promised land. And a famine hit. A famine hit. Now, this is interesting to me. This is the first time a famine is ever recorded in the Bible. This is the first mention of it, and it takes place in the promised land. He had left Mesopotamia, that's where Ur is, which is where the Garden of Eden was. Some of the most fertile ground on the face of the earth. And he goes into where God had led him, and everything dries up. It's a famine. Let me say this. Just because everything is going good does not mean that you are in the will of God. And just because everything is going bad does not mean that you are not in the will of God. Sometimes, hear your pastor, it gets worse before it gets better. Sometimes on this journey, you're going to suffer for your obedience. But I'm telling you, in the end, it works out something that's so powerful, so amazing. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Hallelujah. God, some of you, you're in a famine. It doesn't mean you're in a bad place. It just means that you're in a, you followed God and it's cost you something. But God will bring you through that amen, Kenya. He'll bring you through that, that dark place, those 40 days. That will, He'll bring you to the other side and will change everything about you. Just endure it, right? Get on through it. Amen. Can you give God some praise right now? And it was while he was in this famine that he goes down to Egypt. And this is the kink right here. Here's the kink. Sarah was so ravishing and beautiful at 75 years of age. Now, if you're 75 years of age, you are ravishing and beautiful. But allow me, please. To preach this, at 75 years of age, she was so ravishing and beautiful that Abram was afraid Pharaoh would want her for his harem and kill Abraham if he knew that Abraham was her husband. So he lied to Pharaoh and said, she's my sister. She's my sister. And so, surprise, surprise, Pharaoh looks at her. 75-year-old chick comes marching into his kingdom. The guy can have anybody. And he says, "Woo, man, who's the new woman in town, you know? I'd like to point. She's, I I need to stop, right? (laughs) The kink, right? 75 years of age, and Pharaoh is attracted. He's like, I want her in my harem. And so Abram has lied. He lies. He lies about his relationship with Sarah, flat out lied. And then later, Pharaoh realizes that she's married and that Abraham is her husband. He ends up sending them away and blessing them. It just God was going to make sure they got blessed So he's resorted to dishonest, unethical means 
trying to survive rather than being honest and trusting the Lord. He tries to save his own skin. I mean, he's like, yeah, take her into your harem. Just don't hurt me, right? How chivalrous. Again, this was not his finest hour. This was not a season for which he wanted to be remembered. Although I'm preaching about it 4,000 years later. Here's another kink. Kink number four. He tried to help God out at Sarah's behest. She said, it doesn't look like I'm going to have a kid. So Abraham, listen, Hagar here works for me. She's an Egyptian. It's kind of interesting. Pharaoh wanted a Mesopotamian. And it didn't take too much of a salesmanship job to sell old Abraham on Hagar, the Egyptian. Sarah's like, hey, won't you take her and marry her? Maybe y'all can have a kid and this dream of yours will come to pass. Abraham's like, oh, you know, come on, okay. He takes Hagar into his harem, right? And, and, and cheated on God's plan. I mean, you could make the case that he cheated on Sarah. This was not the will of God. This is Abraham being the king of infidelity to the word. This is a kink in Abraham's life. And yet, and here's my point, simple point today, y'all. God called him the father of the faithful. God did not permanently attach Abraham's identity to all of these kinks and all of these seasons of failure. God did not identify him by his failures. He did not inspire the great apostle Paul to write, and all who doubt and don't believe are of the doubt and unbelief of Abraham, for he is the father of the doubtful. No, these kinks were part of Abraham's life from the time he was 75 or younger even, you could argue, until he was 99, 24, 25 years of kinks and of failures on his journey. But God does not identify us by our kinks and our failures and our seasons, no matter how long they last. Jesus does not look at you and pin your failures on you and identify you as your worst, at your worst. No, Romans 4, 17 says, he calls things that be not as though they were. And he looks at you and he says, I see what you can be. I see what I'm gonna make you. I'm gonna see all those kinks straightened out. I'm gonna see the difference. Give God some praise right now. Brendan, grab this hose. Brendan, grab this, son. There you go. God knows how to get the kinks. Oh, there we go. Look. And when it was all said and done, Abraham flowed in such power. If you are Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. God got the kinks worked out in Abraham's life and he became the man God had destined him to be. And some of you don't be stuck. Here's the key. Here's my message right here. Abraham never stopped. He failed many times. 
but he never stopped. He tried all kind of different ways to see it through, and he messed up so much, but he never kept stopping. He never stopped. He never kept try- stopped trying. He moved on step after step. I mean, my poor old dog, Opie's blind as a bat now. Valerie let him go blind. Didn't get him the needed medical care that he, he should have had. Neglected him. Valerie said it has to be edited. That's not true. I'm just funning, right? That didn't happen. It just it, Opie just went blind overnight, sort of. And uh, poor old Opie, you know what he does? He tries to go where he's going. He's learned now. And so he, he walks. He hits the wall. Boom. Feels around. Walks this way. Boom. Wait. Walks this way. Oh, yeah. Sniffer's all fine. So he's sniffing, trying to find Valerie usually, looking for Valerie. He's always looking for Mama, even though she let him go blind. Always looking for Mama. Where's Mama? (laughs) And and he hits the wall. He hits the door. He he, he goes all the wrong directions. But eventually, he he never stops. And I'll tell her, I say, he's looking all over for you. And she'll go pick him up. Hey, baby. And scratch on him and stuff. And and, uh, what I'm telling you is, what I'm telling you is this, you just don't ever stop because all those failures and all those kinks and all those things, you just, you're just looking through a glass darkly. You're just trying. Nobody can blame you for trying. You're just trying to follow that destiny and that call of God that you feel tugging on your heart. You're trying and you've tried all different kind of things. Some people tried different churches and it didn't work out. I want to tell you, don't ever stop. Don't ever stop. God knows how to work the kinks out and see that every will and word he's prophesied over you comes to pass. Give him praise. Give him praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. No matter how long it takes, no matter how long it takes, he can work it out. Abraham never, ever quit. Stand with me right now. We used to sing that old song. He saw not what I was, he saw what I could be. You know that, Brendan? They sang that in Canada? Wow. Yeah, that's southern right there. Southern Saskatchewan, maybe. It's, uh, just, but that's so true, man. How many of you know he sees the end from the beginning? He didn't look at you the way you were and say, you know what? You ain't good enough. He looked at you and he said, oh, come here. I got a plan. I'm going to put some word in you. And in that word is, is the power and the DNA to bring itself to pass. And you may halfway obey, but just don't quit. And when the problems arise because of your half-heartedness, just weed that out. I told you before, I've been all of those different types of soil I think we've misunderstood the parable of the sower. We look to always be the the good soil. I ain't always the good soil, y'all. I'm just telling you straight up. Sometimes I don't want nothing that God's throwing my way. I'm just being, I'm pastor. I'm just being honest. Sometimes my, my, my soil is stony. Sometimes I got weeds choking it out. But, but, but if I can just keep receiving what he's broadcasting, 
there's going to be a time when I've gotten the rocks out and I've, I've gotten the weeds out and man, it's perfect and it germinates and it takes and the seed has the power in itself to bring itself to pass and old Donovan starts changing and becoming fruitful in the kingdom and the kinks are worked out. One day I'm going to get on that other side and I'm going to look back and say, look what the Lord has done. This wasn't me. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He doesn't identify us based on our failures. He identifies us based on his word. How God sees me. Can you bow your heads with me right now? Father, you are amazing. You looked at chaos and you said, let there be light. You looked at a world that was not yet together and you said let the waters divide let the continents arise let the earth bring forth plants let the earth bring forth animals let the water bring forth fish Father you know how to bring how to create how to speak and how to tend over it. You watch over your word to perform it. And God, there's people in this house today with many, many attempts and many failures and many different seasons, embarrassing seasons. But God, just seasons of trying. And I hear the Holy Spirit saying today, don't quit. I'm at work. Watch what I can do. Hallelujah. I feel to tell you this just real quick, but uh, years ago, and you guys know my testimony, at least many of you do, ran from God, left church, angry, a lot of problems. But I realized years later, some of the problems I had with my local church and some of the situations that were going on, it was just a hunger. I had seen some hypocrisy, plenty of it, You say, I want to go to a church where there's no hypocrites. Well, good luck. And if you find it, don't go there. You'll ruin it. But I had seen a lot of hypocrisy. I was just mad. I was like, God, is is anybody real? And I just gave up. And years later, I came back to the Lord. And the Lord said, it wasn't wrong to be wanting what you wanted. You just looked to the wrong places to find it. There's plenty of hypocrisy in the world. Can I get an amen? You go to the club, you don't think there are any hypocrites in the club? What? Every other word's a lie. Get on social media. Are you kidding me? We call it projection, right? I'm just trying to project successful. The Bible calls it lying, right? (laughs) I was just looking for love in all the wrong places. I was just looking for the, the stuff, the real, but God, I, was on the, I was on the wrong path. Course corrected, God got me. There was a kink in my life. Poof, opened the kink up, and I started down the right path. Some of you, you've just been looking, and, and you've honestly been looking. I want to encourage you today. You're in the right place. Everybody in this room's on a journey. We, we hadn't all got all the kinks out of our out of our life. 
but, but we're on a journey and we're, we're headed in the right direction. I'm telling you, God wants to help somebody today. He wants to help. You can get all those kinks out. He's going to work it out for you. Amen. I want to invite, if you feel like God is speaking to your heart today, I've already prayed here. If you feel like God is speaking to your heart directly, like I feel this is for me, I, I want to start seeing myself as God sees me. I, I don't want to see myself as this failure that it looks like or I think I am or, or this mistake-ridden person. I don't want to start seeing myself as the man or the woman that God's called me to be. I want to invite you to come to the front.